So I am joined by former New York Giants Super Bowl winning tight end Howard Cross. And we I'm so excited to have him. We are going to talk all things Giants today. And I really want to start with the current state of the Giants. You know, for the first time in a really long time, they're a winning team. They're exciting to watch. And it feels like this is the beginning of something new and something successful for the team. So obviously you're in the building, you've gotten to know the coaches, and I'm sure you've gotten to know Joe Shane and all of the players in the building. So from your perspective, after everything that we've seen the last six or seven years until now, how do you feel about the current state of the Giants? And what do you think is the biggest change, especially in the building that has really helped turn things around? Well, the current state of the Giants, as opposed to the last uh, seven years or so, is that it's in a pretty good state. Um, there's a huge buy-in with Coach Dable. He's doing a great job of getting all of his guys in. seems like everybody who's there, everybody's in the game, whoever they are, if they're practice squad or whatever, they seem to come in with a working knowledge of what to do. Uh, you don't see a lot of mistakes. You don't see a lot of, um, of like, delay of games you don't see a lot of misassignments defensively so that's an impressive thing just by itself because in the past as you know the Giants have been suffering from for the most part the injury bug uh, year in year out so it's been pretty difficult for them to fill the team uh, constantly because they're constantly bringing guys in sometimes they're quote unquote on the team sometimes they're on the practice squad they got to bring them in and, and this group of guys no matter where they are where they're coming from they're getting it done. Uh, as far as like Joe Shane and everyone goes, you can already tell that they're they're really smart about how they're picking up players, who they're bringing in. You know, they had two first round picks. They they use them very well with a tip uh, and um, oh my gosh, get my, my man from Alabama, uh, the big Neil. guy from Alabama, Neil uh, F, Evan, big big Evan, and they did a good job in the tight end coming in. Ballinger, even though he's, he's injured right now, and so is that, and so is Neil. Uh, but they're do they've done a good job, you know, selecting players, bringing guys in, using them on the team, uh, finding a place for them. That works really well. And having a good draft your first year and starting off uh, winning is really easy. Uh, and I, I don't think people realize this. It's really easy when a new coach come in to have success because everyone's buying in. It's going to see the carryover when it goes into the following years. And it's, and it's a lot to do, but it's going to be a huge carryover in the following years if they have another good draft. If they get more guys to buy in, if they secure a couple positions and figure out how to pay all these guys that are coming up at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of guys who ha were drafted previously, you know, 2018, 2019, who are going to be coming up on that contract mm -hmm. extension. And I think someone for me who's really surprised me, especially with this coaching staff and who's really stood out is Julian Love. And I, I'm really hoping that he gets the contract extension. I think he's he's really made a big jump forward from last year to this year. Is there anyone that either was drafted this year or who has been on the team for a couple of years that you feel like has either surprised you or has really turned around their play and just become a better player in the last year? I don't know if anyone's really surprised me. I think Julian Love is probably the biggest story that, that's going on the team right now. Uh, he's been a consistent player the whole time, but his role has really increased. And when his role increased, you got to see a lot more of him. I think it, it, it same goes for Dexter, Big, Big Dex, uh, mm -hmm. in the middle. 
uh, out of necessity more than anything else. They had to play Dexter more. And when they played him more, he kind of got more of the rhythm and the flow of the game. And all of a sudden, Dexter's getting sacks. Dexter's getting stops. Dexter is dominant. You got players and, and coaches from other teams talking about, hey, we've got to figure out what to do with Dexter Lawrence. He's such a big guy. I'm like, well, he's been big his whole career. It's just a necessity mm-hmm. of him playing all of a sudden has mm-hmm. made him pretty pretty fascinating when you watch it when you watch these games. Yeah, I'm really excited about Dexter too. And I'm glad they signed on for his fifth year, but he's someone that I, him and Andrew Thomas are two guys mm-hmm. that I would love to see get long-term extensions right off the bat. Yeah. Um, and speaking of that, some other guys are Jones and Saquon, obviously, who are going mm-hmm. into big years next year. Um, I'm a big fan of the Giant Insider podcast, and I went back and listened to the episode again where you were on there talking with Chris and Jerry, and this was about a year ago, and you had said at the time that you felt like Jones was the guy, that he showed you a lot of good qualities, both on the field and off the field, and you felt like with a little help that he could be the franchise quarterback. So seeing what he's done this year, how do you feel about Jones? Do you think that he still needs that, that you know, number one wide receiver like an A.J. Brown to really help him go to the next level? Or do you think that you really can evaluate him this year based on what he's done so far, those five fourth quarter game winning drives? Has he done enough in your perspective to sign him long term? See that that's the hard question because uh, the the big fallacy in football right now is, uh, all around the league is that you have a player like a quarterback uh, specifically and you pay them so much money because that's the market for them. And once you pay them so much money, then you put a big hit on your salary cap and then you can't sign anyone else right. or you can't sign the quality players that you want to sign and how you're going to get them up. So I don't know, you know, for the fact of the, the signing, what's going to happen. Uh, could he be the franchise quarterback? I think he absolutely could. I think with the with the with the signing of Neil and the signing of Thomas, uh, you get two of your cornerstones right there. Uh, they can pick up a guard or two, uh, depending on who's gonna who's gonna come out of the draft. Uh, you got guys coming back off of injury that are that that look really good in the game, even though they played sparingly. Uh, so you you got a lot of players, and your offensive line's almost cemented. Finding a guy that can catch the ball and be effective. In the passing game is where it's where they're going to need to be the, the biggest improvement uh trying to figure out a guy not just to catch the ball but to take the take the top off the defense a guy that can be wide open running routes um that's going to be going to be a big moment and it's and it can't just be and i'm not knocking any of the players but it can't just be a situation where i've heard the term oh he's great at 50 50 balls or this guy's really really quick in small spaces and like that's all really good and everything but you got to get open if you're not right. open it doesn't it doesn't really work the way people think it does. And, you know, like you look at someone like, like a guy like Tyree Kill, uh, people are like, well, this guy is so incredible. Tyreek was almost always open. Now the plays were breaking down, but he was almost always open. Mm-hmm. And even though the guy is short in stature, he could compete for the ball with taller defenders. He would jump over them and catch the ball. That guy is the kind of guy that you want. It's not a 50-50 ball with him. It's like a 70-30 ball because he's always getting it, you know, always making the plays. Mm-hmm. It, uh, there aren't guys like that everywhere. But, you know, when you get a chance to get one, you're going to have to figure it out. Uh, they thought they had one in Tony, and he was, uh, to be polite, always injured. Uh, right. So, you know, he, he fortunately for him, gets to go off and try his career somewhere else, maybe somewhere where he can, you know, find a lot, lot safer place to play, so to speak, I guess, <laughs> with the injuries. But I don't know how, how that goes. Uh, 
So I think when you go back to the, the original question, it, is Jones a guy or can Jones be a guy? Jones definitely could be the guy. Uh, it just depends on what they're going to have around him and how mm -hmm. it's going to pan out. It, it's No one does it alone. As you can see from this year with Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, no one does it alone. No matter how great you are or how many MVPs you've won, you still have to play on a team. Yeah. And I feel like Jones really has gotten the short end of the stick the last couple of years. And so many people, it seems like they that's an excuse that they'll give to Brady and to Rogers. But Jones doesn't get the same excuse that he has no wide receivers. He has no O-line and no running game. And he's just expected to figure it out. So I think this is the first time we've seen a better O-line. They're giving them him the opportunity to run. And something that's been talked about a lot with Jones specifically, and I believe that Shane and Dable have both come out and said that they have focused on tailoring the offense to Jones and what he's good at. And I know that when you were drafted, you were used a lot in the blocking game, and that's what Parcells loved about you. And we also saw you used in the passing game. And I saw you steamroll people. <laughs> And I was just so impressed with that because we haven't had a tight end do that probably since you and Mark Bavaro and Shockey. But do you think that any of our tight ends will have any of that type of capability? I mean, we've seen Bellinger. He's a good blocker. Obviously, we're missing him with the injury. But guys like Hudson and Myrick, do you think that they have, with this coaching staff, they'll have the opportunity to grow into that type of player like we've seen some of the other players do or do you think that that's more of a skill that's either picked up or innate in someone and you know you had that ability but maybe not other tight ends like Hudson and Myrick have that or are capable of doing it well the way I look at it is like I, I've told like uh, we've done sponsors and stuff and sit around and we, we have conversations with them they ask me what what can I attribute or, or what do I compare what's going on with the Giants too. And I said, believe it or not, it's like a great, because uh, I had kids growing up in sports, so it's like a great Pop Warner team. And they're like, what? I'm like, so you don't get it right. So like, in order to have a great team, you have to have everybody participate. Uh, you can't have a system. You have to have, okay, so Billy could throw. Is there anybody on the team that can catch? You know, you go through the team and you find out exactly what everyone could do. Oh, this kid's really fast wow, we could use this kid to, to do X, Y, and Z. What the Giants have done, and what Coach Stable's done, he, he's found a way to utilize every player and at their highest level, uh, whatever their strength is, he finds a way to get them in the game, get them involved, and let them be able to do it. Whether it's defense, offense, or even on special teams, it mm -hmm. seems like they are finding a way to maximize every player's talent and ability. So when it comes down to the tight ends, yes, Bellinger was was becoming a, a all-purpose tight end, and an all-purpose tight end is the guy who's in-line blocker. That's the guy who puts his hand in the ground to the guy who goes out to the slot, and he can run routes. He can do everything. The other guys are, are supposed to be either or, but I got a feeling that, like I said, they'll figure out what their best ability is, and they're going to mm -hmm. start to use it. It, it's, it seems to be a team that is, is, is somewhere between they have a system and an they really don't have a system because they're using whatever's best and whatever guys can do best. That's what you said, like about Daniel. Daniel mm -hmm. seems to be more and more effective every game uh, because, okay, we're going to, you know, with, especially with a healthy Saquon, it becomes a, a dual threat in the backfield. Like, is he going to throw the ball? 
is he going to is he going to hand it off to Saquon? Will he run it himself? And then you know the RPO run pass option it becomes a bigger part of the offense, and it becomes a harder thing to to cover or to pick up when you're trying to play against the Giants in that situation. Yeah, is that something that Parcells and Earhart did with? your team and do you credit that as to why that team was so successful no nah, back back when when we were playing it was just just a different world totally uh it was like three yards of cloud of dust era you know we had like uh i think stephen baker lionel Manuel, mark ingram uh odessa turner i think was still on the team uh god rest his soul stacy robson was still on the team so having these guys that were receivers uh, when needed, they could catch the ball. But the game was built around Rodney Hampton, Otis Anderson, and running the ball in, that, in the offensive line, uh, you know, blocking and grinding it out. Uh, even all the way to the Super Bowl, the, the concept was, you know, to, okay, we're going to make this the longest game in history. We're going to grind it out because the Buffalo offense at the time with Kelly and those guys was more of what the offenses are like today. They were spread offense. They were running, shoot. They were throwing the ball around the field. And it became a hard game to play when you're playing against guys that are running routes all over the field. They were like a few years ahead of, in the in the route running and, and the spread offense kind of thing. So, you know, the K-gun, as they call it, offense, was, was a very effective offense against a lot of teams. And they blew everybody out all the way up until the Super Bowl. And then the Giants said we want the running back we want a thurman thomas to be the guy that Mm -hmm. that carries his team offensively and will stop all the receivers and they they were hitting them pretty hard can't do that today but it just changed it just changed the look of the game that's 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 the difference in the game having and then you have a defense that can execute what you're saying you got Mm -hmm. lawrence taylor pepper johnson carl banks leonard marshall uh eric howard you got all these guys big big john washington they're executing it to the to the perfection. Perry Williams, uh, uh, Collins on the outside, Jackson and Guyton in the back end. They were, you know, they were beyond effective at doing what they were doing. Yeah. So I I was noticing that a little bit based on the '90 team you were on that won the Super Bowl, and then the team now and. I feel like there are some similarities and I'm curious if you feel the same way because the way that the Giants offense is right now, they're 21st in the league with 20.4 points per game. That's what they're averaging. And the defense is in seventh place tied with Indy for 19 points against. Now the 90 team was averaging around 21 points per game on the offense and and 15th in the league. And then the defense was the number one in points against. So we're see to me, it seems like a similar type of game that we're watching where the offense is, you know, not obviously not the best offense in the league. They're doing the best they can to put up points. And obviously they look a lot better than they did the last couple of years, but the defense is really stealing the show. And they're the reason why this team is six and two. Do you, do you see the similarities there? And if so, do you think that if they keep going the way that they're going, getting some guys back, maybe Kenny Galladay makes a big difference on the offense and Wandale getting more involved. Do you think that it's a recipe for success for this team to at least make it a little bit further in the playoffs than maybe what we were thinking prior to this season? 
Well, prior to the season, no one was thinking the Giants were going to make the playoffs first. So, uh, <laughs> That's true. But I, I, I think that the, I think the ideal or the way that everyone's looking at the team from from an interior perspective, and I'm not speaking for coaches or anything, but the way they're looking at it now is that they're saying, okay, we got to figure out a way to to you know get some guys to catch the ball, whoever it is, to to be able to spread it off, spread the defense out. Right now, if you watch the game, you'll see almost eight to nine guys within eight yards of the line of scrimmage and that you can't have that so they'll have to do things like uh hey slate go deep uh for what just run deep and throw the ball to the outside and throw it down the field all the way and if he doesn't catch it it goes out of bounds kind of moment and he's going to be if you do that four or five times you know by the second or third time you do it the safety is starting to, to lag, lag back so he can get involved in the play and all of a sudden, Saquon and Daniel and everyone else underneath will start to look a lot different uh, mm-hmm. in, in the game. If they don't, if they can't incorporate that in the game, it's going to be a lot of, okay, we're going to put three tight ends in. And we're going to get another guy in to try to help block because they're going to have nine guys up. Well, you have five guys uh, with the five linemen. You have a tight end that's six. Now, if you have two more tight ends, that's eight. You're still short a guy. So. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's what you're going to have to figure out. Back in in school, uh, we had a had a coach. I think his name was Homer Smith, and he used to make jokes about like what we're trying to do is figure out who the unblocked guy is and how far I can get him away from the ball. So we designed <laughs> plays in college that were made to make one guy. This is going to be our unblocked guy, and this is where we're going to put him in this route, <laughs> or or this is where we're going to put him in this run. And we would just purposely go through and try to put them as far away from the a ball as possible, especially when they left when they crossed the line of scrimmage. Mm. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to touch on injuries briefly because you hold the record for the third most games played in Giants history behind Eli and Strahan. You played for 13 straight years for the Giants. Mm-hmm. And I know that um, when you were on the Giants, that uh the Giants drafted Zeke Moat, and he got injured, and that's the reason why Bavaro got to play, and you guys played together for a year. And, you mm-hmm. know, Saquon talked about watching Shep go down with that injury and how difficult it was for him. What was it like for you guys to see Zeke go down with that type of injury and just know that, you know, he was probably going to be out for the rest of the year? You know, was it, is that mentality that it is now that, you know, next man up and we we have to step in and do whatever we can to win? Uh, I think it's just, how do I explain? I remember when Zeke and, and, and Bavaro both were on the team and it's like, hey, rookie, be, you know, if we need you, you, you got to be ready. To, to, you're just one step away from being the guy who's starting. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. We go out and play. Then the San Diego Chargers, and I think in the first play, Bavaro gets hurt. It's like, well, Zeke, you move up to the starting tight end. Howard, you're the move guy. I'm like, got it. Next play. I think Zeke gets hurt. They're like, okay, you know all the entire offense, right? I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. I got got the whole thing down. So you had, to, it was just that kind of moment. You have to like know, you have to study as if, especially if you're like the second or third guy, you got to study like you're the first guy, and the first guy has to know. In theory, the first guy knows all the positions. Mm-hmm. You're you're like trying to figure out my position, but I knew all the positions. Like I was the first guy. We were like, well, you're gonna, you're clearly gonna have to play. You know, I'm like, oh, that's cool, coach. I hear you. Yeah, I know what you mean. And then all of a sudden, you have to play. 
And and as far as like injuries goes, like those guys are getting unfortunately rolled up and twisted in the pile. And that's what kind of was happening to to their injuries then. I think mm-hmm. injuries today are more based upon like I played football, basketball, uh, ran track uh, uh, before I got to be uh, a baseball too. Before I got got to college, once I got to college, I never gave up my basketball. I played basketball constantly uh, against guys. Uh, you know, uh, then when I got to the NFL, it was football. We played a lot of basketball games against you know everybody from former college guys to to every pickup league you could get in we were in the leagues and we played all the time as well as as well as doing martial arts and stuff so basically we were doing so many multiple things on so many multiple levels that the injuries weren't the same thing Mm. so it's kind of like what i tell parents when they you make your kid a baseball player and all you're going to do is play baseball if you make your kid a soccer kid, he's all you're going to do is play soccer. If uh, you make your kid whatever, a basketball kid, all they're going to do is play basketball. You kind of overuse certain joints and muscles, and and that's what these injuries we see all the time. Yeah, I, that was going to be my next question, if you think that that's contributing to a lot of the injuries that we've seen in the NFL. I mean, especially the Giants have really been riddled with them for years. But then yeah. I think some people would probably – argue and say well why are you playing some sort of other game in the off season that could also risk an injury so i uh, i mean look those, i'm not an expert people, i don't know what the answer yeah. is yeah those people are crazy the more the more versatile you are in what you're doing uh, athletically the less likely you are to get injured your injuries would have to come from someone actually rolling you up or rolling into you if you're using the same muscles all the time and the same joints all the time you injure those muscles you injure those joints look Mm -hmm. at baseball players that are having tommy john surgery at 14. it's like you're it's just that's just the way it is uh you learn how to move laterally up and down jumping leaving your feet doing different sports yes you can quote unquote you can quote unquote have an injury but football is a game of of injuries and you you, you right. get you can see a player getting older from the year one to year two forget about year one to year 10 not even that many players make it to year 10 so you know do as much as you can be as active as you possibly can i think the idea of of someone getting injured and not being able to play is more based on fantasy sports than it is on actual uh, football mm. I play fantasy and I've had a rough go this year with a lot of guys. Injuries <laughs> it's been tough. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. If, and another thing, if you, if you look at a player that's been injured, chances are he'll be injured again. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, from my perspective with someone like Kadarius Tony, you could argue that he's got all the talent in the world, but when you can't get on the field, the talent doesn't matter. But with someone like Galladay, who hasn't been injured as much, and mm-hmm. hopefully after the bye is, is going to be back to 100%, do you think that he, him being back to 100%, he's going to give us the type of play that we all hoped he would earlier this year before he got injured? I mean, in the long and short of it, I think Galladay is a pretty talented receiver. He's able to uh, mix a lot of plays on the ball. But I think when he was in Detroit, it was a situation kind of like Cooper Cup is in, with the Rams. Mm-hmm. I think that the quarterback was forcing him the ball. The ball was coming to him, coming to him. So that's kind of was kind of his game. And with the with the Giants, 
that's not going to be the game. We're not going to be right. forcing the ball into a, you know, a 50-50 kind of moment. It's going to be, I need you to do X. I need you to be here. I need you to do it this way. And part of that's going to be how quickly you can get yourself open. If the, if the plays are three-step drops, that, those are basically slants and, and quick outs for guys. Uh, you'll have to be able to be a master at that. To be able to go deep, that's five steps. Uh, do we have time for five steps? Do we have time for you to get open enough for us to throw you the ball? So those are the kind of things you have to think about when it comes down to Galladay. That has nothing to do, no knock on Galladay or anything. It's just he's a taller, longer guy. It takes a few more steps to to get to where he wants to go in certain cases or to get, get, to, get to his takeoff. If he's 100% healthy, I have no idea how fast he is. Uh, you know, I didn't follow him as much in Detroit. I knew that he was the number one receiver for for the QB there when he was there. Uh, but now that he's like, you know, it's a big adjustment to leave your security blanket of a guy who's looking for you every play. Mm. Yeah. I think that having him back on the field is is going to help in some capacity. At least it's one more wide receiver that they're going to have to look out for, but it's going to be interesting. But one thing that's been consistent with this team is every week they have been listed as underdogs. And Mm -hmm. I know going into the Super Bowl against the Bills, you guys were also underdogs. So what was the mentality going into the Super Bowl is there a little bit of a chip on your shoulder feeling like we're going to prove these people wrong or is it not even a thought that crosses your mind it's we're in the super bowl we're just here to do whatever we can to win yeah the the the, the betting people like teams to score a lot of points when you when you get above 28 points a game or closer to 28 points a game you're almost automatically favored we were scoring roughly right around 20 points a game i think the bills were scoring closer to 20 24 to 30 points a game so they're automatically favored i don't think that the players i think some coaches might use it some coaches won't use it i always remember when i was playing from from high from college all the way up to the nfl if i heard someone talk about spreads and points i was always like well, what are they betting on like you know you can't you can't determine anything that's going to happen in a game you don't know mm-hmm. if if a guy comes home and and his his wife is has left the house and taken all the furniture. You don't know what the kind of night he's going to have. As we can see with Brady, not that Giselle did that, but you you can see that you don't know the mentality. It's like someone's uh, like in the case of Brett Favre that that night he had the incredible game the night that his father died. You mm-hmm. you don't you just don't know the mentality of of people. You don't know where their where their heads are. You don't know what what they're thinking about what they're feeling. Uh, so there's so, so many tons of different things that could be going on to that we're not privileged to. So I, I can never figure out spreads. Uh, yeah. And a great example would be how the season went. Right. Uh, the Giants are six and two. Uh, team teams that are winning that hadn't ordinarily been winning. Like the only thing you could see was like, okay, I kind of figured that Buffalo was going to have a good run at it. I thought Dallas might have a run at it. Eagles might have a run at it, but they've been stacking up players. Uh, from from for a long long time, but all these other teams like you know uh, look at the Chargers. Oh, they're a great team. Herbert's the guy. He's like you know he's right up there with Mahomes and oh my, so guys slow it all down. Like what 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 about you know what about Miami? What's that going to look like? Uh, well you know Tua's there. I don't know if Tua's that good. I'm like okay, 
<laughs> like you got Tyre. I could throw the ball to Tyreek Hill and Waddle. Like you, like right. <laughs> you know. So people, they they look at things. They try to try to figure it out, and we don't know from week to week, from year to year. There is no. You don't have a lot of currency when it comes down to like uh, repetitive moments in football. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens having a you know built on defense to have one of the worst defenses going this year. The Steelers have never had a losing season. Well, they're they're losing now. So it's mm-hmm. like a lot of things. Like Tom Brady is a is a goat. He should have stayed retired at this moment in his career. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is the is two time MVP, back to back MVP. I'm like, yeah, but Aaron doesn't practice with his young receivers. So you know, there's so many things and so many factors that influence how teams play. I, mm-hmm. I could never figure out the favorites and stuff. When we went to when the team went to London to play Green Bay, someone asked me. Do the Giants even have a chance? I'm like, well, if Aaron doesn't like his receivers in Green Bay, I don't think coming across the pond to London is going to make him like them anymore. And people right. kind of they kind of laugh. They look at it so funny. I'm like, yeah, no, not funny. That's just it's the truth. Look at it. That's what it is. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, I get it. I'm like, okay, you get it. So that's why you can't really. That's why I couldn't really pick favorites. Yeah. It's so hard going into it. I picked Justin Herbert as my fantasy quarterback in my draft, thinking he's going to have a great year. That's what that's what everybody said. What a year. This is going to be awesome. I mean, look at Tennessee. Look how good they are. And and, in college football, they're like so explosive. They've been kind of explosive forever. Now they're favored over Georgia. Yeah. Like Georgia's got the best defense in the league. I'm like, okay, if they get the best defense, they're supposed to be defending national champions and you're favoring another team. It's just you you can't depend on, you can't look at anything in a bubble and say this is how it is and this is what's going to happen. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah, I know. I agree. Um, (laughs) I want to get to life now after football because I know you um, are broadcasting and you're with SNY and with the Giants too. So, what was it like when you retired from football and how did you decide? I know you, you do commercial real estate too. How did you decide what was the next step for you? And is, was broadcasting always the end goal once you retired? I had no interest in broadcasting. None whatsoever. Really? I was, I was married uh, at the time and I'm like, this one offered me an opportunity to go out and do broadcasting. I think it was with yes back then. And they were like, Oh, you, you should come, come do broadcasting. And I'm like, I didn't think that much of the media because I was always told that the media was a, uh, oh, they're bad. If they don't like you, they beat you up. And I'm like, mm-hmm. like what, can somebody know the truth? And I've, and I've even spoken to reporters and, 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 and asked them, have there ever, has there ever been a moment when you, if you didn't like someone, you, your article showed that you didn't like them? But yeah. <laughs> I said, is that reporting though? Is that just your feelings coming? Hey, if you're a jerk to me, I have the I have the final word. I'm like, right. I didn't like I didn't like hearing that. I'm like, that's that's not cool. So you know, so I I, I was really leery of, of being involved in it. But an agent had saw me doing a bro, doing an auction and and emceeing an event. And he you know he kept kept after me. He goes, when you retire, you should call me. You should do this. You should, you could be a broadcaster. You could be on TV. You could do. It. I'm like, oh my god, sure, whatever you say. Just <laughs> stop messing with me. And in the meantime, in my in my world of business, I was trying to find 
what am I going to do? And, and someone actually recruited me back, uh, I guess it's 2002, 2003, to come and do real estate for them. And I'm like, commercial real estate? Look, like, yeah, like, like, what do you know about it? I'm like, uh, retail space, I guess, office buildings, some warehouses. They're like, yeah, multifamily. They're going, I'm like, okay, 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 I got it. So what do you want me to do? Well, you do so much charitable work, but you're always with, you know, heads of companies and corporations. You know, you know them, so maybe they'll want to work with you. So I was like, okay, I'll try that. <laughs> that was literally simple as that. My thought process. The next thing you know, I'm out, uh, as we say, slinging, slinging real estate with people, helping them, <laughs> helping people find offices, find warehouses, and in some cases, even find retail spaces when it comes down to banks and stuff. So it, it worked out for me. Uh, in the short run, and hopefully it's going to work out in the long run as I've been doing it for, for a while. Okay. That's great. Mm -hmm. Um, and we'll, we'll end it here on one last question. What we're about halfway through the season now. So what are your expectations for the rest of this giant season? (laughs) (laughs) What are your thoughts coming out of the bye? I mean, I'm hoping that we're going to get some guys back from injury and that's going to make a big difference, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Well, I don't have real expectations. I'm just like week to week with the team and hoping that they, they continually get better. But if, if I were to paint an expectation or a mirror image, if the team could play uh, the second half of the season, like they played the second half of most of these games, always be in it and always have a chance to win. That would be, that would be probably more than, more than, you know, anyone could ask for. That would mean they would win more than, more than they would lose in the second half of the season. And they would be, you know, they'd be good. Cause so far this year, they've only had two games where, you know, uh, Dallas and, and, and uh, Seattle, but in both of those games, the Giants were in it to like the last few plays of the game. If mm-hmm. they, if you could ask for that for the rest of the season, if they make their adjustments, come up with a plan, and all of a sudden they win four or five games or three or four more games or whatever the number is, you know, if they win four more games, they had 10 wins. Who knew that? Right. Right. So if they can win 10, if they can win four more games, five more games, three more games, it, it would be, it's already a successful season. It'd be overly successful and nobody as a fan or as, as players would have, have any idea what to, how, how they got there. And they'd be really happy for them. Mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm hoping for moving forward. I want to see them be competitive and you know, they're fun to watch. So I hope yeah. that they can keep that up, but they're thank definitely going to be competitive. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Especially with these guys coming back. I'm excited to see Aziz and Bellinger and Robinson mm-hmm. and all the other guys who've been yep. out. Absolutely. But thank you so much for joining me. You guys can find Howard on SNY and the Giants radio broadcast network. All right. Have a great one. You too.